0: Time for another episode of the comic book kaiju, the show where we love comics, and you should too. I am one half of your hosting duo for today. My name is Trent Justin Vactor, and I'm here with, like I said, the mouth of the South, Mr. Chris Eaton.
1: Jimmy Hart may may have something to say about that. Hey, y'all, how's it going?
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, this episode is going to be all Sandman, all the time. We're going to be talking about, um, First of all, for our book of the month, the selection by Mr. Eaton is Sandman Volume 1, Preludes and Nocturnes. And then we're also going to be tying in the Netflix show as well in there, The Sandman. So we're going to be spoiling it. Spoilers are abound in this episode. If you do not want to yes. get spoiled yes, for both the book and the TV show, pause it, come back after you've read it or watched the show, and then enjoy it. So, Let's get right into it. So let's ask Mr. Eaton, first off, why did you choose this as the book of the month?
1: Well, and you've known me for a while, so you know this. Sandman is, I don't know if you knew the severity of it, but like Sandman's probably my favorite comic ever written. Ooh. As a whole. Uh Game is definitely my favorite writer. And <laughs> so... When it came to me to pick a book of the month, I had to to jump at the chance to look at the first volume of of Sandman, which is probably my favorite volume of Sandman. I'm not oh, saying nice. I'm not saying that it like you get declining returns in the series because you don't, but this was such. I mean, this came out in 19. I correct me if I'm wrong here uh, in in the post, but 88 and i believe like at that time it was so far ahead of its time and and honestly there's ways in which it's still ahead of its time oh yeah uh so i had to had to jump at the chance to to talk about this comic that i've loved for so many years
0: nice and you are correct november 29th 1988 was i was the three. very first issue <laughs> so i actually came to this comic later on in life now as a comic book fan. And as a comic book reader, this is always one of those ones that was, Hey, this is one of the best comics of all time. You should read this comic. So I've, it's always been on my radar, but I just, because of life and trying to read everything, I just never got around to it. But I always said in the back of my mind, I will get to Sandman one day when the Netflix show finally came out after years of uh, development, hell being in a movie form and then a TV form when the move when the tv show actually finally came out i said okay i'm going to read it now i'm going to take the time read the comic and i did and, and i had this podcast as well so i wanted to talk about it and i was not disappointed mr chris eaton i think it lives up to the hype everything that has been praised upon it and neil gaiman's reputation in general has been built off of sandman and i think i don't think i've read anything i have not liked from neil gaiman And The Sandman, it just proves to me that the story is timeless. It, Like I said, it lives up to the hype, and everything that people have said about it was true. Now, for me, I think the thing that dates it a little bit is especially the coloring. And this was before digital coloring. Anytime I see a book that is not digitally colored now, it's hard for me to to get into that mindset of, of immersing myself in the story just because I'm so used to it, but I can see it as what it is, you know, as for the time period of when it came out and this one now, correct me if I'm wrong. The artist changed throughout the run of Sandman, right? A few
1: times. Yeah, uh, it did. And also with subsequent editions of the trades that have come out and your absolutes and your so forth and so on, they've actually recolored it.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. So
1: the, uh, the most recent, Uh, version that you can pick up at the store, you know, comic shop or your local bookstore is going to be that recolored edition.
0: Okay. Beautiful. And I think, like I said, um, everything for the actual story of Sandman lives up to the hype for me. I just found it fascinating. And I, I am one of those guys that the very big Grant Morrison fan, very big, um, Mm -hmm. any type of storyteller that, treats this the medium of storytelling as sacred. I think I really Grant appreciate your
1: Alan Moore. Yes. Uh, yeah.
0: And specifically with Grant Morrison, the ideas of the literal stories being, um, I'm trying to figure out the words of, of how to say it, but as far as for superheroes, let's take superheroes, for example, them being the modern day myth and gods of our time And the fact that the popularity of something like Superman is so great, it fuels the idea of Superman and makes him more real than even you or I. Because Superman was around before we existed. Superman will be around after we exist. After we're long gone, yeah. So I love that idea of the power of storytelling and the power of myth. And Sandman is right up in there.
1: Not to not to make this a Grant Morrison podcast, but um, <laughs> he, if you talk, if you look into his philosophy about the superheroes and things like you're saying, if you look at the Greek gods, the Norse mythology, all the, all the world religions, uh, they are, we have as much actual verifiable proof that those are quote unquote real. Mm-hmm. than we do that Batman Superman, you know, the, that these aren't tales from <laughs> yeah. other times and places either. Right. Uh, and of course, no disrespect to to anybody's faith, but uh, I find that very interesting. And then Gaiman has a very, a very good quote um, that I heard him say one time in some talk he was giving. He said, something need not be literal for it to be true. Ooh. And I, I think there's a lot in Gaiman's writing, especially in Sandman, that is true. Hmm. Um, And it's even more spelled out in the show, but Sandman is a story about someone learning how to change and failing and succeeding and failing. And so it's, it's about life. It really is. Now it's through a fantastical lens, of course, but it's that same struggle that we all have it's just that a that an anthropomorphized idea of of a of a of a concept is going through it
0: right and that to me is what's fascinating is the uh anthropomorphizing of the concept the the making the concepts literal and humanizing them and the the main character of the story is dream also yes. known as morpheus other names He's one of the seven endless who are destiny, death, desire, despair, delirium, formerly delight and destruction. And all these personifications, we don't see them all in this first volume, no. but I love that. Just that concept. And it plays kind of fast and loose with the DC universe, the show, not so as much, but the comic, especially when this came out in 88, it was very much of that time of who was in the justice league and sure. who was running around with Batman at that time. I just, I like immersing myself in that world of that period, that time period of late eighties DC comics. Mm-hmm. And this would go on to be placed in the vertigo imprint. Right. And that was a huge thing for a long time. Vertigo was the not independent, but more
1: if the cover said Vertigo you knew the book was going to be
0: good. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Almost like an HBO of yeah. television like right. it's, okay, we know HBO makes this, we know it's going to be good. We know Vertigo, if the comic was placed under the Vertigo imprint, it's probably for adults, it's probably some some great storytelling, some great art. And now they have the DC Black Label imprint which they it's basically uh, the reprints. Vertigo. Yeah. The reprints that now I've been, uh, put under that black label, but yeah, I, that was another thing knowing about its history and saying, oh, okay, this was kind of the, the start of vertigo. And then it was the flagship of vertigo for a long time. That made me want to read it. And I, I even, before I read it said, oh yeah, I know this is good. It's a vertigo book. So all of those things for me just kind of added up to, oh, Sandman is great.
1: Right. You know, I'd heard of Sandman here and there when I was younger. Uh, you know, in the 90s and stuff like that, really reading comics. It was mainly superhero stuff for me, mainly X-Men yes. and Marvel. But I remember this image of what I now know is Morpheus, Dream, uh, on a few things that were really intriguing to me. And I'm like, I want to see more about that. One of them yeah. was actually, to to bring in our other podcast, Kick Out Kaiju, I remember seeing an episode of I think it was Monday Nitro WCW and Raven the wrestler Raven came out wearing a Sandman t-shirt
0: oh yeah I
1: remember seeing that I remember seeing I think it was a full page ad in maybe Wizard Magazine that was very Mm. interesting to me just just the visual look of it
0: yes Um, yes
1: and I remember I think and I could be misremembering this uh, somebody correct me if you hear this and I'm wrong. In either like Darlene or David's room in Roseanne, I think there was a Sandman poster on the wall. And I remember seeing that in a few, maybe a few episodes. So uh, this image just kept recurring to me throughout the years. And uh, (laughs) there's a line in Preludes and Nocturnes where John Constantine says, "Uh, you ever felt like something was trying to tell you somebody? And I think (laughs) it's, it's a case of that for sure.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And I think the way that the story is told in particular, um, Gaiman just has this expert grasp of the, the, the medium and he was so young at the time. I want to say he was like in his early twenties when he wrote Sam like that. Yeah. And I've listened to a, a bunch of interviews with him and as well. Now this is also something that Mr. Eaton, has some experience with the audiobook for the sandman fantastic. Neil Gaiman narrates it and it's got James okay. McAvoy like the cast is amazing it is. in that audiobook. So not only would I think I would recommend the comic uh we'll talk about the show a little bit in a second but also the audiobook all of these forms of sandman that's rare because a lot of times when a story gets translated to a different medium not it's not as great I think this one, all of these different mediums, they have different advantages and disadvantages, yep. but the story is still intact. Yeah. The performances by everyone, all of the artists and creators behind it and that's, all step up to the plate.
1: That's how you know a story is basically death proof. Um, if, if, they, if they release Sandman for a calculator, <laughs> somehow, graphic calculator, <laughs> Go and go and whatever it is you do to graphing calculators, go and calculate it, because it's going to be fantastic. That how that's how you know the story is top quality. No matter what genre you put it in, no matter or not genre, no matter what format you put it in, right? You're going to get a compelling story. Now there might be little differences, and we'll talk about that, but uh, it's going to be a fantastic story, no matter where you go. Right. That's that's a tribute to gaming for sure.
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I talked about the artist changing a little bit that I think if there was one thing that if I had a dream, I I, no pun intended. If I had my dream scenario for Sandman, it would all be one artistic take as far as the the whole way through pencils. Yeah. Um, Just a, a a more consistent look because sometimes it can be jarring when you change from artist to artist Mm -hmm. and not to say that one was was bad or one was like you know um not great but it kind of i get used to one artist or i get used to one art style and then oh wait now there's a different artist and it kind of changes the feel of the book
1: it does Um, and i'll I'll say that while i do agree with you on that i think a story like sanon that does tell sequential but also could get episodic as well Yes, Uh, um, I think of like the Ramadan series that they did, um, which was very apart from the narrative of the story, but still a fantastic story of itself. There's a few others that jumped to mind. I'm actually I like the fact that it's not the the quote unquote normal artist on those Mm. stories. So I I think a series structured this way lends itself to a changing art form Mm. uh, or art uh, style. But I do agree the the one who pens the first, however many issues, in preludes and nocturnes, I would have loved to have seen the majority of the series be that.
0: Yeah, and that one I was looking it up is Sam Keith. Yes, and he went on to do a bunch of other things, but mm-hmm. he had quit after the fifth issue, and then was replaced by Mike Dringenberg as penciler, uh, who was later then replaced by Malcolm Jones the third. So it was, and Dave McKean did the covers on the entire the run. whole
1: series. Yep,
0: yeah. And that, that was though <laughs> all of Dave McKean's stuff is great. There's um, a
1: book actually uh, called dust covers ooh. that is just a, a, a gallery of all the single issue covers. It's great. Oh,
0: nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've really liked Dave McKean's covers for a long time. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of that experience I was actually experiencing the book and the show at the same time mm-hmm. and so I would I would watch an episode, I'd read a little bit of the comic, I would watch an episode, read a little bit of the comic, always a little bit ahead on the comic before yeah. I watched the show and it was great for me and I was listening to the audiobook too. So it's great for me to kind of jump back and forth between all those um, between those different formats and still have a immersive and, and a great experience right, cause all the you, way now, And
1: now, too, you have an acute understanding of the differences between each as well.
0: Yes. Which is good. Yeah. And there are things that also shed a light on the story for me. And it's just like if you're reading a book more than once and you're right. picking up nuances and different things as you reread it, going from format to format and experiencing the same s- story – over like three, three different uh, times. I was also like, Oh yeah. Okay. Now I understand this a little bit better, a little bit better. Yeah. And so that was a unique experience for me. I haven't done that before with any other story, but one that Sandman allows in 2022, we can do that and jump back and forth between all these three. I think we're living in quite a privileged time because even you and I, let's say 15 years ago when we were podcasting in Memphis, Tennessee, been the only long? thing. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that this morning. As a matter of fact, I was driving to work and I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about 2007, which is when I moved to Memphis. When we started podcasting, yeah. And so I was like, oh, shoot, it's been 15 years. But even back then, we only would have had the comic. We would not have had sure. the TV show or the audiobook. So right. I think we're living in a great time right now for we Sandman. Are. We stuff. Are. Sure. So I want to jump into your experience with the show. Now it was much hyped, much, um, much coverage on it. And for my, for myself, I knew about the project and in and you as well, but my wife had no clue who the Sandman was, what the story was. So she was experiencing it for the first time. She loved it. She was like, when am I getting more? And I was like, Hey, read the comic. And so for you being a big fan of the, the comic first, how did you experience the show? What was your, what was your take on it?
1: I was really excited. First of all, um, I, I don't remember what day it came out, but if it was on a weekday, um, actually, do you have the date?
0: Let me check television in August 5th of 2022, August 5th of
1: 2022. Okay. So I believe I had been at home sick from work for a few days and it just so happened to drop at that time and And that was a Friday yeah it was a Friday and so that Friday evening that Saturday that Sunday binged watched the whole thing And yeah that's
0: another thing they didn't release it week to week it was a all at once all ten episodes yeah and then they later released a a one episode
1: yeah the eleventh episode which is Mm -hmm. really good um then went back and rewatched it again. Um, so I've 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 gone through the whole series twice now, the eleventh episode once, but uh, I've I was super excited to buy it.
0: Mm. Um, I kind of want to rewatch it now that we're talking about it. I kind of want uh, right. to pull it up again.
1: Yeah, it's I I I don't know if you want to get into the the whether how true it is to the source material or what, when you're talking about moving a beloved property to another medium, you play a dangerous game. Yes. Um, As we can see by the Mario brothers being turned into a movie. Guys, guys and gals, if you're listening to this, and you have a chance to buy the Mario Brothers DVD, it'll probably be about $5. It's (laughs) worth every penny because that movie's terrible. (laughs) Not terrible so bad you don't want to watch it. It's so terrible you want to watch it. (laughs) Keep that in mind. Anyway, um, so my point is, it can go real bad real quick. I was cautiously optimistic uh, for the show because I knew Gaiman was very directly involved. And if you have the guy who wrote the thing as basically the president of the Don't Mess It Up Committee,
0: <laughs>
1: you're probably going to be okay. Um, little did I know, it was a lot more than okay uh, for me. I, I loved it. I loved every second of it.
0: I would second that. This is probably one of my favorite shows of 2022. And just from top to bottom, the performances. The casting was great. You know, the story obviously is great as we're talking about. If it works in three different mediums, you know that that story is powerful. This first volume. Now they did have to make a few changes. Like I said, the DC universe ties were kind of toned down to the point where I want to say the only tie in it was Constantine or Constantine who they gender swapped. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than that, I don't think there was anything else directly tying to the dc universe
1: yeah i don't think there was um and honestly you really start to see what's the fat and what's the meat of the story because we cut we cut the dc universe away from this story like you said except for joanna constantine and it just it was just as good if you know if not in some ways better Uh, We'll talk about some of the changes. Now, I do feel like, though, if we're going to talk about the show, we have to talk about the ridiculous backlash um, that happened when the casting got announced.
0: Um, I think I heard a little bit about this. The
1: casting of of Death. Oh, right, right, right. I forget the name of the actress, but she's fantastic as Death. Um, But whenever she was announced, there was an uprising among... I, I don't know, like, less intelligent folks <laughs> angry about. And for those of you who haven't read the comic yet, I mean, go read it, as you can tell what we've just said. But um, Death is sort of this goth girl who's very sort of polite and upbeat and has a liquid paper white face. Um, and the woman who plays Death in the series is... um is a, a, a black actress and she's fantastic in the role. And her name is the actor. Uh, help me out.
0: Kirby, Howell Baptiste
1: Kirby, Howell Baptiste, and she's fantastic in this role. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't think you could have gotten anybody better to play death, but for some reason there was backlash as there was for uh, um, the actor who played uh desire as well. Mm. Uh, and we're seeing nerds, that. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> we we got to stop getting mad when people get cast that don't look like the people who originally were like, we're talking about anthropomorphic I- ideas here. Okay. We're right. not talking about humans. Let's just get past that and, un- right. and enjoy this for the awesomeness that it is.
0: And it's crazy because we're seeing this quite a, a bit in 2022 Right now the Lord of the Rings show is going on Rings of Power. Yeah. And there's a ton of people talking about, "Oh wait, there's colored people in in uh, Middle Earth." And it and it's like, "What? We saw that in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Uh now this was a new character, but she was, was also
1: fantastic.
0: The yes, best part of that uh, show. She was African-American and they yes. were like, "Oh, this is not my Star Wars." And it was like, what? What does that have to do with anything? And there's there's green aliens walking around. There's blue aliens. Why do you care if there's a black person? Right. Very strange. And yeah, Neil, we're, we're and Neil Gaiman it was everything.
1: a... Neil Gaiman came out on Twitter a few times and said, look, if, if you can't stand the fact that death isn't played by a Caucasian actress or that desire is played by a trans actor, um, it's not for you. Don't read the book. Don't watch the show. <laughs> Go away.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and I think I echo that yeah. as well. But let's get let's get on to the good stuff now. I just felt like that needed warranted mentioning because it is part of the story of this of this show. Yes. Um, so let's get into it. Let's get into the good stuff here.
0: Yeah. So this was, as we said, ten issues. Now it kind of goes through volumes one and two, right? As far as the story. Yeah, uh the, um, the, the, the series comics. does.
1: It, yeah, um and I'll, I'll I'll speak on volume 2 when we get there, but uh yeah, I'll 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 talk about that when we get to that point. Okay. I don't want to spoil. Cuz I
0: I stopped at volume 1, but I've seen all of the show. Right. So I was hooked from the first episode all the way through. Now, I didn't binge it like you, but I was watching them night every night basically. I was watching them night to night.
1: The show is volume 1 and volume 2, yes.
0: Okay. Um I thought besides the cutting the DC universe out, I thought this was like one of the best adaptations I've ever seen of novel or page to screen.
1: It is. And I'll say this, and this is about that second half of the series. That's volume two in the comic. That's the gutsiest adaptation I've ever seen because to, to directly um, adapt that storyline, which I'll be honest, when I read it in the comic the first time, very hard to understand. Mm. Uh, I think the show does a fantastic job of helping you understand the through lines, helping you get your brain around this concept of a spoilers, y'all serial killer convention, like, (laughs) which is just a freaking, like, I don't understand why or how your brain makes that. (laughs) up. Right, Neil Gaiman's a very interesting person, um, <laughs> but it is a an extremely faithful adaptation, and I think that's the gutsiest thing I've ever seen a show that's from another property do is adapt a storyline that that's that is disparate the right word it, it, that's that uh, kind of hard to grasp, and they do it somehow. They do it yeah. perfectly.
0: Yeah, I you know. <sighs> The the only point of the show that I was not in love with was the halfway point, episode five, the 24-7 episode. And that's one of my favorite issues of the comic. I agree. And I don't know exactly why. When I watched it, I felt unsettled and I felt like something was wrong here, like something Excellent. is off.
1: That's the goal, I think
0: <laughs> uh, honestly and I think it is in the comic, I love that, but mm-hmm. in the in the show I just i don't I can't put my finger on it. maybe I have to watch it a couple more times I think um, what it that is, was the, the low point for me
1: yeah i and I actually agree, and I was excited for that episode because um twenty four which I think is the title of the single issue, is the most terrifying comic book story in a single issue I've ever read. Mm. It is legitimately terrifying and there's ways in which the TV adaptation is toned down a little bit mm. and yeah. there's ways that it's ratcheted up. It just depends now. Um, it doesn't quite lean as heavily into the supernatural influence right. as, as right. 24 the comic does. Um, it's also, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the longest episode as well. Oh. Um, And I think it's a case of the fact that that story, that particular beat, doesn't translate as well to the uh, TV format as it does to the comic. And it's just Uh something about reading the comic, the panels and the progress through the story, you controlling the progress versus the progress being... What it is in the show, hmm. I, I don't know, but I agree that was the low point. But for me, the low point of the series is followed by the high point of the series.
0: Yes, because the sound see, of her wings.
1: The sound of her wings is probably my second favorite single issue comic of all time. Nice, and it was my favorite episode of this show.
0: Nice, yeah, and that was the end of the book the the end of volume one. The end of volume the sound one of her
1: wings is correct.
0: One of the best introductions. Of a character of all time. Absolutely. And it it just goes to show that when I made a reel about uh, actually both Morpheus and death,
1: mm-hmm. they got
0: a ton of views and people wanting to know who these characters are. And I think just returning fans of both of these characters, because death has been one that I've been he- heard talked about. You know, for years, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's from Sandman," but I hadn't read it yet. And it just the the popularity of that character has transcended. So I knew that the show was gonna. In that episode when she appeared, I was like, I told my wife, I was like, "Get ready, this is the death episode." Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just a perfect translation. And we've talked about it before, I think, with animated movies, comic books turned into animated movies, mm-hmm. and they're adapting a, a storyline and if it's just going to be the exact same as the comic, a lot of times my personal experience is, well, I'll just go read the comic rather than the animated. If they're going to change something sure. and make it different. Now, sometimes that goes the opposite direction with the Batman. Like the killing uh, joke. Yeah. Killing joke where I it had was such
1: high hopes for that film,
0: the change that they made. I was like, Oh good. They're changing it from it the comics. I gross. want to see something new. And what they ended up changing it to. Yeah. I was not a fan of, so you can go that direction, but I like to have things that make it unique to that medium and to that format, not Mm -hmm. that format, I should say. And so I'm watching an animated movie. I'm watching a live action adaptation and it's something that I couldn't get necessarily from a comic. And so I thought with this show, the way that they did the adaptation and the actor's performances, what they brought to it, made it something different for me. And it was like, Oh yes, this is not necessarily, Mm -hmm. I'm just reading word for word. or I'm just copying from the comic. This is something new. And I think even the casting helps with that as well, that she didn't look exactly like the comic book. um, Mm -hmm. As far as just visually helping me get into the mindset of, Oh yeah, this is a different, this is not the same.
1: Well, and I'll tell you, one of the changes that I love in that episode is the baby scene now.
0: Oh, yes. Right.
1: This this hits different for me, I'm sure, than it does for those of you who have children out there. You yourself, I'm sure. Yes. Um, I like that we don't hear because in the comic we hear the baby's side of the of the conversation. Right. We don't in the show. And I think that's actually better. Hmm. I think that's a better move. There's a, there's a couple of other changes that I think are better than the source material as well. Uh, right. They don't
0: have that stand up comedian that is in the comic, mm-hmm. um, or do they? Now I'm tr- now I'm no, second guessing myself. Do. I don't remember okay. it. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of with you as well. That I was expecting to hear the the baby side and and not um, not getting that it was like oh okay yeah this is different this is something that and the old man the way that they changed um get the way that he's placed in the room the way Mm -hmm. that like he's interacting so yeah right they did enough specifically to make it something different and make it work i think for television Mm -hmm. as well versus the comic book and you know this this comic was written as we said in the 80s the late 80s we're now fast forwarding almost 40 years later. That's insane. And, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's something that it's like, okay, we're in a different time now. Mm-hmm. The, the way that we react to things is different. The way that we experience things are different and our life experiences as well coming into it. Mm-hmm. We've now gone through COVID, you know, that's, uh, although it's still going on, right? That's something different that was not around in the eighties. So yeah, we take all these life experiences and, and, spit it out at, and interpret different art, you know, differently. Differently. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's true. The representation of things are going to change over time. Just look, let's back, look back at superheroes. Batman looks different right now than he did in 19, what, 30 something when he came out. Right. Right. Um, every hero does. And so I don't know why we expect like you were talking about the whole "not my Star Wars" thing or or the backlash, right. I right. don't know why we expect our our characters in film and TV to never change, right? But yet we know that the appearance of uh, of these costumed heroes has changed over time and will continue to change,
0: right? Right. That's 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 a great point. That I think even in in our lives we we expect things to stay in amber and stay the same. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you from experience that the only constant is change in this mm. world. That's, Absolutely. So, there's nothing in my life now that is exactly like it was, let's say 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Like even if you just do it by decade, there's so many things that have changed. And then you want to factor into the technology of the world and the things that we've seen in our lifetimes. It's just, there's so many things that you, you think that will always be the w- the same way. And and it, even stuff, it, it feels like it's changing faster. Now there's stuff like with social media that wasn't around when we were podcasting necessarily. I mean, Twitter much, was around. No. Yeah. Facebook and MySpace, but, definitely not the way it is today. And the way my son is going to be raised. I, I think about this stuff all the time is not the way I was raised and not the way that my dad was raised. And right. There's pros and cons of that. It's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a thing. It's that's what it is right now. And so, like you said, it's crazy that people expect things to be the exact same and never change, especially in television, and movies film
1: when we're talking about fictional characters
0: (laughs) yeah that's just it's just crazy to me especially because and i I was thinking about that lord of the rings show which have you had a chance to check that out at all
1: i watched a couple episodes i okay so i'm gonna i'll turn this into a tolkien podcast we'll (laughs) save that we need to save that because i do have (laughs) thoughts on that but i don't want to hijack my sandman podcast with this
0: (laughs) Okay. We'll, we'll put a pin in that and come back to it. Um, but yeah, I think just taking all of this art as it is taking the performances and the story, the source material for Mm -hmm. what it is and not trying to put your necessarily prejudice or bias on it is the way to go, the way to experience this. And from, like you said, from start to finish, you know, it just makes you want, every episode at the end of it, you're like, Oh, what's going to happen next. What's going to happen next. Yeah. And it's just a Testament to Neil Gaiman. And I was looking actually the, um, looking up the runtimes, the first episode is actually tied. They're both 54 minutes with 24, seven. Okay. And then episode 11 is kind of a mishmash. It's, it's two stories. So yeah. That one is 64 minutes. That one's okay. a little longer, Okay, but yeah, it's, Man, I can't say enough for the way that the story is told throughout the first season. I'm really hoping. I, I haven't heard anything. I don't know if you've heard anything about I, the season. I haven't, two. I'm
1: really hoping to get it renewed as well.
0: After what happened with Paper Girls, it's. I'm, yeah, I'm hoping that this one uh, bucks that trend. Hopefully, somebody at Netflix <clears> saw <throat> that. I don't. I don't know what the numbers are. You know, they don't. Netflix doesn't release their viewership or whatever it is, but hopefully enough people have watched it to the point where they will green light it for another season.
1: Real quick. I wanted to talk about two of the main differences between the show and the comic that I loved in the show. Uh, And I didn't necessarily think they were, well, one I did think was better. And one I thought was just equivalent. Um, Joanna Constantine Mm -hmm. was fantastic. Uh, It we didn't, that version of the story did not need John Constantine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not right. saying, I'm not trying to trash that character. I love, I love Constantine, but um, for the way she worked in the story, it was fantastic. Um, so if anybody had misgivings about that, you don't need to, it it was great. The other important change in the episode where uh, Morpheus goes to hell to get his helmet back. Yes which is a fantastic uh, issue of the comic.
0: I love Um, that issue.
1: I do too. Uh, Spoilers. What happens is he has to challenge this demon that stole it to a game. And it's sort of this, I think it's loosely based on some sort of Irish folklore game that happened. I, I might be wrong about that, but they say, you know, I am this. And then they, turn into that, and then the other person replies with well, something that'll beat that. It's kind of like, you know, rock, paper, scissors, but with reality manipulation. I like the decision that the show does to have Morpheus going up against Lucifer rather than going up against charenzen It Which raises the like, stakes.
0: Right. Because he's like a lower level demon mm-hmm. exactly. versus, you know, the hit yeah. hot
1: and, yeah, the the head honcho, and it raises the stakes. It makes their it makes it seem like Dream is really in danger, mm-hmm. and it makes sense then that Lucifer would want to uh, destroy Morpheus, as as Lucifer says at the end of that episode and in the issue of the comic. Um, if you if you notice, and and I don't. Uh, Listeners, I don't know how up you are on the story of the biblical uh, Lucifer, which is that's taking from, but I, the last time Dream directly uh, directly uh, addresses Lucifer, Dream calls Lucifer Proud One. Who? Which is reminding Lucifer of the last time he lost and why. He <laughs> lost. <laughs> Now, unless you had a background in theology, I don't know that you'd pick up on that, but I do. And it was awesome. And I actually (laughs) laughed out loud. Um, But that makes Lucifer wanting to destroy Morpheus make sense. Hmm. And so I I really enjoyed that. Uh, I don't know. What were some of your changes that you liked in it, Vector?
0: You know, I was trying to find the episode. The one where the guy is given basically immortality
1: oh Hob yeah that
0: yeah. the changes that were made in kind of modernizing that storyline i really liked And that was where death was walking with morpheus and showing him humanity
1: it was kind of like the b plot of sound of her wings wasn't it <sighs> like right at the end of that it segued right into hobgatling
0: Think so? Yes, it was okay. Yeah, so definitely, "Sound of Her Wings" is my favorite episode because that storyline, and I liked how they showed that they put the date on screen. I don't think they do that in the comic.
1: I, I don't believe they do.
0: That made it clearer for me, rather than just going off of the hair and the clothing. Mm-hmm. I think that's how the comic does it where you're supposed to understand oh yeah time has passed. Mm-hmm. I like having the time on the screen. The actual and,
1: visual cue, yeah.
0: Right. And the ending of the bar and the the modern time period that they put in rather than in the comic we only had the 80s up to that point. There was no modern. So or not modern, but there was no 2000s and and beyond. So the, the modern take on it, I liked, and then just that I just love that story in general. Of Morpheus is his friend at the end. Like, if you're coming back here, it's because you're my friend. Like, I love that. What he learned from that, and like you said, he's learning to be a right. human. Like, learning and to be.
1: You also see that Morpheus is a hypocrite because he just <laughs> got finished dogging Satan out for being proud,
0: right? And then right. he
1: gets ticked off. When Hob says, You're coming here because you want you you're my friend. And yes. of course Dream gets affronted. Right? He gets aggravated right. about it. So <laughs> that's pride right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that the this the comic and the show I really loved, but I like that I, I think I like the show interpretation more than the comic version. Um and so that change I think was probably my favorite. The Corinthian. I think in the Nightmare show, <laughs> yeah, um, it was interesting the way that they placed him in the show from, he was almost there from the beginning. I want to mm-hmm. say like the first or the second episode. Right. And he has that through line in the comic. It's a little bit different. So yeah. I like where they, they bumped him up yeah. and kind of made him run through the whole they, show. They
1: could not have cast that role better either. Oh, yeah, almighty, That was yeah. a fantastic job by that actor.
0: I really liked um, his performance, and mm-hmm. uh, Boyd Holbrook is his name. Boyd Holbrook, uh,
1: yes. Sounds like a movie star, don't it?
0: <laughs> the Corinthian who is a nightmare who has escaped the dreaming. Uh, oh, we didn't even talk about Patton Oswalt as yes, Matthew. Matthew the Raven. Yeah. who? Which, that was kind of a change from the comic a little bit. Um, That's actually a connection with
1: the DC universe, too. Because Ooh. Matthew the Raven was Matthew Cable. Matthew Cable was a character that died in Alan Moore's Swamp Thing run.
0: Oh, and, dang! And
1: Dream permitted him to stay in the dreaming and become his Raven.
0: Nice. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I I need to read some more of the. Um, there's a ton of Sandman spinoffs and and things of that nature. So I need to, I need to up my Sandman knowledge. But yeah, that's cool. That's. Um, the Alan Moore swamp thing connection is fantastic there, but yeah, Patton Oswald, he didn't, um, I think every role I've seen him in even, did you see that Modoc animated show or not animated, but stop motion. Yes. Um, yeah. Anything that Patton Oswald does and he's actually, uh, writing a comic right now that I really, really? enjoyed the first issue of, and I can't even remember blanking on the, the name of the comic, but his, Everything that Patton Oswald does, everything he touches is gold for me. I, I haven't, it there's is, nothing I great. have not liked. Um, so yeah, the, the casting from top to bottom, I thought was fantastic. The And the way that they teased at the end, um, Desire, and it yeah. feels like that's, if there is a season two, Desire is going to be the big boss, like the...
1: right. The the big bad evil guy. Yes. Um, well, and does
0: that in the comic? Does that, I don't, not, don't spoil too far ahead, but does it play into that?
1: The relationship you see in the show between dream and desire pretty much continues that way. Oh, okay. Got gotcha. you. Um, yeah. Uh, Which, and, that
0: and idea. Shout out to that uh, actor,
1: by the way. Um, oh yeah. Fantastic job with
0: that role. Yes. And that idea of all of the endless being siblings, yeah. I think is fantastic. And it's just, it's one of those ideas that you're like, man, why didn't I think of that? Like, it's its a brilliant idea to make them have these sibling rivalries. And in the show, they're all, they're cast as different um, races and, and different things. So that's interesting as well um, from the comic. That's another change, but yeah, I just, All of the ideas from this, the comic and then the show, all play out on screen and on the page as just top tier, like highest recommendation.
1: Ultimately, I'd have to say, and I've watched a lot of adaptations of a lot of stuff. This to me is, and not to say there aren't differences because there are, but this is the most faithful adaptation of a very complex property Mm. that I've ever seen. It's, I mean, if you've seen, if you've seen this show, you've seen Sandman
0: <laughs> yeah. the
1: comic, you've read Sandman. I mean, it's, it's true to the, it's true to the source material for sure.
0: Yes. So I think you will enjoy Sandman if listener or reader, or I'm sorry, uh, listener or viewer. I think you will enjoy Sandman in whatever format you can get it in, whether it's the comic, which is our book of the month, this month, Preludes and Nocturnes the show on Netflix or even the audiobook, book, which um, I think it's like part one and part two There's is the way they do it. right now. Yeah. yeah. I think all of those forms, you're going to get a great experience or like us, Mr. Eaton, myself, get all three of them, experience all three and yeah. you'll get the set, the trilogy. So, yeah, I think um, I, I don't have anything else to say, Mr. Eaton. Do you have anything else to add to, I think, we both recommend highly all of yeah. that. Uh,
1: I, I can't recommend it any higher than, than what we've all, what we've said here for the past, you know, almost an hour. Yeah. Um, this, I, I, I'll say this. I, and this goes to my Tolkien thing that you asked earlier. I, I'm, I have a, a religious faith. So I hold the scripture of that faith in very high esteem. As far as uh, the, the writings second to that, is uh, as far as writings that I hold respect for, you've got Animal Man by Grant Morrison, Yeah Trump Thing by Alan Moore, Sandman by Neil Gaiman, and Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. Like that to me, that's that's those writings are sacred. Yeah, um, and but that doesn't mean they aren't going to change form. Go, but to go back to that, uh, I have so I say that to say I have a high degree of love for those writings and that story. And so I am pretty notoriously picky when it comes to adaptations. I couldn't find enough wrong with this to, not that I didn't try to uh, justify even complaining a little bit about it. Mm. Um, no matter whether it's like, like Vector just said, if it's the comic, cool. If that's not your thing, audiobook Cool. If that's not your thing, show. Cool. You're gonna get the story, and uh, and if you really just sit and think about it, it might it might good fiction reflects us back to ourselves in a funhouse mirror. Yeah, you might learn something about life. I, I did uh, for sure reading this
0: story. So yeah, that's hundred yeah. percent. I think the takeaway, and it's fantastic when fiction and Uh, storytelling is able to do that like a Grant Morrison, um, like an Alan Moore. These are the guys that raise the medium of storytelling Mm -hmm. and give us a reflection, give us a, a creative output of this is, you know, what we, this, what we can aspire to be, and also kind of show us things about ourselves that we didn't think about. So I highly recommend Sandman, Volume 1, Preludes and Nocturnes, and I'm very glad Mr. Chris Eaton picked it for the Book of the Month this month. Um, Unfortunately, Mr. Seabury could not join us this month, but we hope to have him back next month, and it will be Seabury's pick for Book of the Month. We haven't picked that yet, but stay tuned to the comic book kaiju, because we will let you know as soon as we have that. Uh, Mr. Chris Eaton, where can the fine folks Find you podcasting this week?
1: Well, you can, of course, as you've heard, find me on CBK, the comic book Kaiju, but also you can find me on our sister podcast, Kick Out Kaiju, where mr. our, our most recent episode, Mr. Marcus Seabury and I, uh, talk over the, uh, Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, match from 2015 NXT Takeover Dallas. Uh, if you like wrestling, you know, come hang out with us and, and watch a watch a match. Um, yes. And also, <laughs> uh, you can catch me on Twitter, at Chris Eaton. You can catch me on TikTok, at CBK underscore Eaton. And if I'm not mistaken, Vector, don't we now have a comic book kaiju? Or, I mean, a comic, a C, a comic book kaiju uh, TikTok. TikTok and a kickout kaiju TikTok as well that launched today.
0: Yes, that is correct. So you can find right now, the Kickout Kaiju has two new figure alerts on it. And I am trying to post daily for comic book kaiju whenever I see comic book news. And that's a lot of movie and uh, television news as well as comic book news. But that's what I've been trying to post over there. uh, Character bios, different things like that. Um, Also, the TikTok instagram reels and youtube shorts are all places where i'm posting so cbk pod is where most of those can be found or on youtube it's just vector which is my last name and i want to let everybody know that chris eaton loves comics and you should too geeks out